the sold-out five-star play is returning to Webster's Theatre. This is where we get off by Ingram Noble and Heather Spiden follows the Moffat family through some of the most difficult days of their lives. Yvonne is seven months pregnant, her husband Philip is constantly disappearing and leaving dodgy phone bills behind, their 18-year-old son Lip is debating joining the army and trying to navigate his love life, and their dog-breeding, sex-toy-selling neighbour Rhonda is still doing her weekly shop in their kitchen. How will they cope with the unexpected arrival of an estranged family member? Make sure to get your tickets from the link in the show notes below to see This Is Where We Get Off at the Webster's Theatre on the 11th of February 2023. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout. This week it's episode 119 and as per usual my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout and this week I am chatting to an absolutely iconic actor. So without further ado, please welcome to the podcast, John McCree. Drama School Dropout No graduation day Welcome to the podcast. How are we? I'm good. How are you? I'm good on this fine Tuesday afternoon, even though Scotland has decided that it is now winter and it's cold. Oh, is it turned? Mm, I'm definitely having to pack my sho- uh, sh- shocks, shorts away this yeah. um, this week. They're, they're going. Five shorts. I know it's really sad. I love wearing shorts, but see, I'm not a shorts guy, so I'm I'm all right. I mean, even in like the height of summer, I'm dressed like a, a vampire, so I'm pretty. I just I'm comfort over everything, really. And shorts are comfortable to you, to me. Well, I'm a fat boy, like oh please, like they like allow for like <laughs> movement, and my thighs don't rub together. It's all great, so I'll wear shorts every day. Um, but how's life? Life is good. I mean, yeah, life's always good, I think. Um, if you if you look at it the right way. Yeah, it could be it could be it could be much worse. I mean, it could be. It could it's, be 2020. Yeah, do you know I was just about to say it's I've been doing this since like the back end of the pandemic. I started in December 2020. And it's been so lovely, like going through the timeline of being like, how's life? And everyone's like I'm depressed. I've been staring at the same walls for six months. And now <laughs> everyone's like, I love it. We're back to, we're almost back to normal. Now yeah. Positivity. I used to be a little bit of a bitch. Like anytime anyone was like, yeah, I'm doing this job and this job, but doing this podcast, I'm now like, you're working. That's fucking great. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, but also it's what an amazing thing for you to have found to do during that time. It's like talking to other people and, you know. You can blame it all on Chris and Rosie Ramsey. Yeah. Well, it was, but it was so isolating for, for so many people. Mm were one of those people that sort of I guess made something really great out of it which is yeah it was it was a weird situation like you said it was isolated I was working in Amazon in a warehouse like unsociable hours I was in Newcastle away from all of my friends and I dropped out of drama school in the January I'd had a really terrible time then Covid hit and I just missed my mates and if you look at those first 10 episodes, well, first nine, because 10 was Harry Reid from EastEnders, they're all just my mates. And we're literally just talking about like shows we did in, in drama school and stuff. And then it sort of just took on a life of its own. And I got ballsy and started asking people. Good, good. Ballsies are good. I feel like my number one thing now that I've learned throughout it all is if you don't ask, you won't get. 
It's so true. It's really true. And I ask everyone. Good, good. And so agents should... around the world are sick of me. Oh, uh, one one of my friends said to me when we were really young, and this was at the time I was naively toying with wanting to be like a musical artist, not like a musical theatre artist, but yeah. like and I was like thinking oh god I just don't know anyone in the business and like should I write to people and she was like they're just human beings like Mm. just ask them and if they say no uh, you know it's not anything personal or if they say no because you know they think they're above it you probably don't want to work with them anyway yeah everyone's just a human being we're all just trying to get by aren't we yeah I used to get sometimes when like for talking sick when Susan Nixon came on and did the podcast one of my heroes and I used to get really fucking nervous I'm like why am I talking to these people like how has this happened and I think it was Michael Harney from Orange is the New Black that once said to me there's no need to be nervous because everybody starts the morning with their pants at their ankles that is such good advice and I was like do you know what that is true Susan Nixon does probably start the day with her pants around her ankles does and you know and also it's it, you say it's just talking to people, but some people are really shit at it. <laughs> you know, when sometimes you're watching interviews with people on telly and you're just like, God, how did you end up with this show or this yeah. show? You're so shit at this. You don't seem the slightest bit interested in what you're asking these people. So it is a skill. And it's also there's people I'd say that I didn't really figure out what the fuck I was doing until about episode 70. And then now I'm in my like episodes rarely change the format but there's also people that are unable to talk about themselves which Mm. i find mad i don't know if that's just the narcissist in me um but i had someone on the episode is still there so i won't name them but they could not talk about themselves right i asked them this really like poignant question about something that they'd done and they just went yeah but the thing is is also like even if you're not even if you're even if you're one of those people you're not great at it like just give me something like spin it on at least or like have a sound bite ready for when you get that question because you will get the question a hundred percent and i'm sure that back then it was like episode i think i wasn't asking particularly great questions like i'm sure they'd been asked these a million times before so i'm like you don't have like yeah just some prepared answer bad bad form because we're sort of in the middle right now. We're not in a pandemic, but we're not out of the pandemic. And we've got a really shitty government going on at the moment. How how are you sort of navigating coming to this sort of, I hate to say this, but new normal? Um, I am, I'm one, I think I'm one of those people that sort of naively is, I, I see, I see time as very much like a 12 month span. So I'm kind of yeah. just, this year is somehow going to come to a close and that things will magically change come January, which I know they won't, but there's mm. still a, there's st- I think the inner child is still in me thinking, well, just have a Christmas and then maybe yeah. will Santa will come and he will take Liz <laughs> Truss away. Yeah. Well, I mean, God, hopefully someone will take her away. I mean, I think she's pretty close to taking herself away at this point. Yeah, I, I wish she fucking would. It was mm. like watching Prime Minister's questions the other day and they were like, Liz Truss is hiding under her desk. It's but it's far it's almost farcical. Like you just I know so many people have said it, but you just couldn't write it. Mm. Like if somebody wrote this political drama, everyone would be going, Oh god, that's so far fetched. Yeah. Happen. And it's happened somehow. Um, somehow I feel like we've overtaken the US in, in our ridiculousness. 
because they kind of got rid of their fucking dickhead and yeah. we were like no let's have two more yeah and actually i mean i haven't i mean i don't know how but there was this fear that he wasn't going to go away and he'd still be everywhere but i feel like he's kind of disappeared right? well they took him off twitter so great Casey hopkins uh somewhere. oh then maybe they're in the caymans with tupac and like Amelia like the one thing about Trump is, I think he still would be massive if he was still on Twitter. Yeah, because he'd just be—I mean, yeah, he'd be Piers Morganing about, wouldn't he? Um, but no, it is. It, it's mad, and like, it's totally changed my way of thinking. Pre-pandemic, like the last time we voted for Scottish independence, I voted no. Mm. Pre-pandemic, I was pro-union, pro this, pro that, and now I really fucking hope that next October we get that vote. Yeah, pendulum swing, isn't it? It's funny how things can change so quickly. I would, I, I mean, I, if you guys became independent, I'd be one of those people trying so desperately to marry a Scotsman just to, just to, just to come, just, come I and join us. I'll see you there. I'll meet you at the border. Okay. <laughs> um, but what I do like to ask everyone is, how did you get into acting, and what was your first ever role? And it doesn't have to be a professional one. We love a good nativity story. Yeah, um, I was asked to sing a solo when we were learning about the Greeks in school. Love that. Yeah. Also, like... I just should probably say that was a really weird transition because I was like, we could talk about politics for hours. I know, <laughs> no, sometimes it's, it's something you'd have to claw me back. I was like, let's move it on. No, no, it's not even clawing you back. It's like me. I'm like, fuck yeah. the Tories. Typical Scott. Um, no, you um i uh i yeah I, I, we were learning about the greeks you know when you like they get kids to like you know if you're learning about the you romans or you put togas on and then you and you it's like all slightly inappropriate as well yeah, and like somehow we put on something i think i must have been in like year three so what's that like maybe seven or eight something like that and i was asked to sing a solo and then one of my teachers was like wow he's so I think spoke to my mum afterwards and was like, you should, but then I, but then I was also really, really naughty. I was really, I misbehaved a lot. And they were like, you have to do something with this child <laughs> to like burn his energy before yeah. back to us on a Monday. And so my sister was starting um, some theatre program. And so I think they just bunged me in with her and, and uh, yeah. And then that was it. It was like, it was pure coincidence, which I think it, is for so many people it's just like mine is out of spite oh really oh in yeah. what way um so i was always interested in it i took it at gcse level and stuff but i i, I wanted to be a writer which has kind of happened because i write plays and stuff but i wanted to i was heavily a massive fan of she who shall not be named and um i i was i i wanted to change i was very inspired by the way that she changed the literary world Right. And got people reading, and I'm yeah, a massive. I mean, she, it was it was massive. It was yeah. like the Beatles, but a literary version yeah. for our generation. My 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 parents queuing up at, at like at midnight to get the next book. Like we were all doing all that stuff. Yeah, I caught the tail end of it. I'm slightly younger, so yeah. it, like I didn't really. Next. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't really old enough until like the fifth book, I think. Right. But I loved the way that she had just changed. Black guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's all there. It's all still there. And I, I just loved the way she changed, like, the landscape of reading. And I just thought that was so inspiring. And she could have continued to do that. But no, she's a cunt. Yeah. Um, 
and that's what I wanted to do. That's I was English literature, English at school. Um, and I was doing the school play one year and there was this day close to it that was like, right, the cast are off timetable and they're in the drama studio all day rehearsing. And my science teacher took particular umbrage with the fact that I wasn't in her science lesson. And on my last, on my leavers day, which is like a month before we leave, just before your exams start, she wrote in my leavers book, um, I hope that you manage to, I hope that you learn to manage your time better in the future. And I was like, fuck you. Fuck yeah. you. She tried to have me taken out of GCSE drama to um, do extra science. And I was like, I'm going to show you. We I had such opposites because I got actively asked to leave science. Oh, they did at like the end. the national average down. They were like, we're going to let you drop the subject as a GCSE, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure... I don't want to get into any, anyone into trouble, but I'm pretty sure it's like an actual, like, you have to do it. I think it's a core but subject. I just didn't do it because they were like, you're just, you're, yeah. just, you're bringing down the room. Well, so I, I didn't open any of my science GCSE papers out of spite. I sat there at that desk, arms crossed. But why did she want you to do it? Were you good at it? Did you um, no, I... I'd never shown any interest in it. I grew up in the Northeast. So there was this kind of inherent thing of, um, this is a working class town, but we want you to aspire to go to university, be the first in your family to go to university. So there was a, a massive push on getting those five A star to C GCSEs and science yeah. was a core subject. Um, and I, I just, I don't know, like, cause I, I had shown a real interest. I'm not going to say I was good, because um, I don't think I was, um, but I'd shown a real interest in theatre and drama and There's stuff. There's difference between the two. I've always found that, like, I was good at English literature because it's opinion-based, but science is factual. And, yeah. Like, if I'm told something has to be this or that, I'm immediately, like, anti-authority, and I'm like, why? And they're like, because that's that's just science as a thing. And I'm, yeah. I think my brain was just more hardwired for creative things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Instead of that but she just took real umbrage to the fact that I knew I was never going to use science in a, like I didn't have like in all honesty, the interest or the intelligence to pursue a career that required me to know the atomic number of potassium. Like that was never going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, I just think she didn't like me. I might've been a bit of an arsehole as a child who mm. knows I might still be one. Um, but like, I don't know, she just took particular umbrage with me and I, I just, out of spite, didn't open my GCSE science papers. What a, that's quite radical of you. At 16, I was like, I, I should have just started burning Union Jacks or something. You should have. But <laughs> it's never too late. Oh, well, next summer when we're campaigning for Scottish independence, I'll be out there with Nicola Sturgeon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be burning them all. Yeah. Um but like, are you, do, are you up to much recently? Have you been auditioning for anything? Anything cool? Uh, yeah, the constant um, self-taping life, which is, uh, yeah. It's, How do you um, feel about self-tapes? Because I hate I, them. I, 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 I've, I've reached a real zen with them now, which is that, you know, I give them as much energy as I, I physically have in me, but I don't. I used to really, uh, I used to painstake over them and just, just, 
I do it again and again and again to the point where, you know, my boyfriend would be sat there going, I can't do this with you again. Like, I just, we have to call time on this. And I'm I, sick of reading these lines. I'm, I'm like, I think, I'm not, I wouldn't even say I am a perfectionist, but, you know, you always want to put your best foot forward. Yeah, there's no point in doing it if you're just going to half-ass it. Whereas now, it's like maybe three takes is my, li- I have to, I have to limit myself to like, because mm. if you, you're also trusting that you're going to do what needs to be done in three, four takes rather than like, oh, I don't like the way I, I also, I don't watch them until I, I will do, we'll, we'll sit, I'll sit down and I'll do them, but I won't, I won't watch them until I've said, okay, that's it. I think one of those takes will be fine. Yeah. I'm going to go away and edit them and send them off because if I start watching them in between, I'm going to start thinking about what I look like and I'm going to start changing things that don't make any sense or that don't need changing so yeah I'm, I'm all right with them I mean I I go back and forth to to from one end being like oh god you know I just wish I could be in the room because I think a lot of the uh it's hard to like when I don't know about you but when I was going through drama school I was told constantly like what whether people want to work with you or not is such a big factor in whether you get a job mm. like the energy that you give them in the room yeah ask good questions and none of that comes through on a self-tape so yeah like, how do you so sometimes I I miss that like well sometimes you do have questions about a script and you can't ask them when you send a self-tape off so yeah I think the thing that I hate the most about them is so for, for talking sake if I'm doing a self-tape and I've got this great idea about this character and I do it if you're in the room and they're hating it and you see them check out, you can switch up and try and get them back in the room. But with a self-tip, you're just stabbing in the dark. Yeah, or like, and, so, and the importance of being given a note and how well you take it, or do you mm. put what they've given you into practice? And I guess, I guess now I try and see it as just like a formality, like a first, rather than like the first audition, like a, 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 a precursor to, to the first audition. Yeah, I with the people I really feel for are the people that have to do them with you, like the people that have to read with the actors because it's hard. And we, I, I don't know about you, but I become like a tyrant and I become insufferable because I'm just like, wow, you know, if I don't like what I'm doing, I'll start to take it out on whoever's doing it with me. Yeah, they're the real heroes. I mean, every person (laughs) from like 2022 onwards should be in any BAFTA speech. the people that help them we're gonna come across a lot more of that aren't they like i'd like to thank my mom they're the real heroes of our industry i saw a video earlier actually it was with another friend of the pod julian moore cook and he'd done like it was obviously a taking the piss video he was doing a self-tape with his mom over facetime and he started giving his mom real acting notes and was like think about the given circumstances Yeah, well, my boyfriend does this funny thing where, like, I, and it's not, he's going to hate me for saying this, but, like, if I have to do an accent in the tape, he'll start mirroring the accent. <laughs> he's not an actor, so, like, I'll just be like, no, your character... Or, like, sometimes it'll be like, your character doesn't have an accent, and even if they yeah. do, you don't have to do that. So, you know, it just it just becomes a big old Sounds like your boyfriend wants the role. He does. He's trying Sabotaging. to... Thunder. He's trying to take my fun away from me. He's trying. <laughs> he's out for my out for my gig. Yeah, for sure. I think that would break my heart if I was doing a self tape with someone and they phoned me and said, 
not interested in you, but the person that was reading well, off camera. Could it's you... funny because that's apparently how it, um, like Emma Corrin was asked to yes. come read as Princess Diana for the auditions for Camilla and for Prince Charles, or not, or like for like the audition for Camilla, but that Prince Charles was already cast. Obviously, mm. they were like. I don't know whether they had this like master plan, but I guess it's something that so many, if you are another actor doing a self-take with another actor, I think there's always that thing in the back of your mind where like, I bet they're going to say, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? I'd love yeah. to. And you just try and edge onto camera slightly. <laughs> <laughs> just um, put my spotlight pen under yours. Oh God. Yeah. But while I was doing my legal stalking and you just mentioned it there, drama school, you went to Italia Conti. Yeah, and one of my favorite things in the world, we're going to play a whole game about them, are crazy, dramatic, funny drama school stories. Because there's some shit that goes on behind those doors that genuinely should be a sitcom because people wouldn't believe it. Do you yeah. have a favorite crazy or funny story? Um, you don't have to name anyone. Do you know what? I'm I would find it pretty hard to think of one considering I didn't go to a lot of my classes. <laughs> I used to just sort of smoke behind the building for like love that and or like me and my friend used to just like um go to Starbucks there was one down the road and we used to just I don't know I was I just but no probably I mean I think sometimes the like we, we had this thing on a Friday called it was three letters I can't remember it was called like <laughs> I want to say PPE but that's not right <laughs> PPD or like something like that and they basically just like for two hours just left us all unattended and we were just in charge of like putting on like some sort of showcase for yeah the rest and like you just look back on it and think like like how did what how was that even like a thing I, I like how in what way was that constructive in what way did that help us like in what way do you go into the industry and someone's like yeah okay you guys just go away for a couple of hours and come back and share yeah. so yeah no no I don't have any crazy stories because I think I would have had to have put in a bit more uh, <laughs> time to have any I mean I think it's a great story that you did all that and ignored as many of your classes as you possibly could and you still made it through <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just didn't. I mean, I, I think it was my own mistake going to a school that was sort of so heavily dance based. Uh, yeah, and I, I was that, like, I saw that, and I was like, no. Yeah, it was just a numbers game there because there are so many more disciplines of dance than there are anything else. So obviously, mm. just by nature, there are going to be more of those classes, and I just didn't want to do any of them, so I just didn't. I just didn't go. And at first, I just didn't go, and I. And like, I just, I guess what you skived is the word. But then after a while, I started to get a bit more cheeky and go to certain drama teachers and say, can I come into this class instead? And obviously they have this conflict of interest where they're like, well, I know you shouldn't be here because mm. it means you're not in the class you're supposed to be in. But also is the alternative you just going to Starbucks? Then yes, come on yeah. in. So after after a while, I did start to use my time a bit more wisely, I think. My favourite thing, that um, it, it's really like one of the the worst telltales of this industry, but it includes Italia Conti. But I just think it's hilarious because she didn't get the memo. So I was, um, me and my best friend wrote a play over lockdown and we were doing, I can't remember whether it was, it was the online rehearsed reading, I think. And we were like casting people and we'd put out this casting call on, on Facebook, you know, like where all of the great casting calls go. 
And mm. this one woman, um, off, to be honest, let's be honest. <laughs> she replied to the casting call and she was like, uh, I'm really interested in doing this. This was like height of the pandemic. And um, can you let me know how we go further? And I sent back the copy and pasted email like, here's what we would like to see in a self-tape. Please just send it to us like by the end of the week. No real deadline. And she emailed back and she was like, I am so disgusted that I can't even get an audition. I can't even get an audition. And I teach voice classes at Italia Conti. And I emailed back and was like, I, I think you've misunderstood the the self-tape is the audition we're in the middle of a pandemic we can't hold and she just emailed me back straight well i think you should be doing in-person auditions because i may as well just cancel all the classes that i teach because if i can't get an audition with you what chances have my students got and i emailed back saying i think you've misunderstood the email the self-tape is the audition we're not holding in-person auditions this is an online performance but thank you so much for your interest. But due to the conversation we've just had, I don't think you'd work well with us. Oh, God. That is just horrendous. And I was just like, okay, you teach voice at Italia Conti. You're not Imelda Staunton. Mm. Like, calm the fuck down. She just didn't want to tell you. Maybe. Well, if she would have said that, I wouldn't have asked her for a self-tip. I'd have offered her the role. (laughs) I would have been like... Just to have been really sort of like, you know politically incorrect i would have been like you have to audition like everybody has some elder okay no i'd have been like um uh, yes <laughs> no no that's totally a lie i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't have done that please i'd be like you can't get an audition because you can get the part <laughs> yeah. how did that go did that go well yeah it went really well we um i can't remember how many tickets we sold we raised enough money to book an actual real life theater we um, put the show on in April. It sold out. It got five stars. And it's coming back in February. You're doing... See, you had... It sounds like you're one of the people that had a good... You had a good COVID experience in terms of, like, being quite proactive, which is something to really shout about, I would be. I'm hmm. super hyper aware of the lives that COVID took. Yeah. I am forever grateful that it gave me mine back. Yeah. Yeah. I... Yeah was in a terrible place before the pandemic never wanted to act again and I think just being allowed I think the problem with the world at the moment is nobody's allowed to stop and be like what am I doing Mm. you have to constantly be like xyz moving on and I was finding myself I gave myself two weeks when I dropped out of drama school to get to mope lay in bed and then I was like right get get up and do something whether you go and do like a hnd in accounting Mm. and then COVID hit. And I think that the best thing happened was that instead of being forced to move on with my life, I got to take a little break and. Well, good for you, mate. I mean, I think that's, um, I I think that's so admirable. I really do. It's really weird to say that I'm grateful for COVID, but like. Well, no, but more, no, but it's not grateful for COVID. I'm grateful for the time. But it's grateful for what you managed to do in the Yeah. You decided that you had to or wanted to do during that time. Like it's a personal thing. It wasn't, and it yeah. was a product of that time in that environment. But like everybody had completely different experiences, and you just somehow managed to cater yours to be a positive thing for you. And you shouldn't feel any guilt for that. I, I don't because I think everything else would be a waste if 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 some some good couldn't come from it for each individual yeah i do like to just preface what i say about it with the fact that i am aware of yeah the devastation and shit and i'm not sat out here going well i had a great time i don't know what everyone's moaning about like i'm fully aware i just happened 
to be at a point in my life where I just needed that bit of time and it it paid off and I sort of got my shit together. Mm, good. It was like that adult turning point, do you know what I mean? Where it was like one well, day I woke up and I was like, Yeah, I'm hoping mine's I think just... I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> I think we may have reversed on that from since then. Hey, well, life is a pendulum swing. A, a fun question I want to ask you that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. If a casting director came to you tomorrow and said, listen, I've got this two-hander that I want you to do in the West End, but I don't know who I want to put you with, and you can pick anyone in the world, but they have to be alive to be your co-star, scene partner, who are you picking? Amanda Plummer. Good answer. Yeah. She's never been said before. I know. I bet she hasn't, but she's top of my, she's top of every list for me. She's just just some kooky sort of like... I just or 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 um Patsy Ferran. Yes. I've got to carry on my campaign that's gone on for hundreds of weeks, or not hundreds, like 105 weeks. And it's starting to feel slightly personal um that we haven't done it yet. But Catherine Tate, I'd love to do a two-hander with you in the West End. That is a great choice. Or just come on the podcast. Yeah, just come on the podcast. I know you're listening, listening, Catherine. Like <laughs> I know you're like the number one fan. I'm scared that you said this for a specific reason, and I I don't want to bring it up. Sorry. It's never mind. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I, if you want to say something, I'll take it out. No, it's because I was in Catherine Tate. No, genuinely, if you oh, go, I and... you were like leading into no. that, which I so don't mind being a podcast. <laughs> I'm actually relatively proud of it. But I think it might have been of. I'm like seeing you as like a Jimmy Fallon, you know. <laughs> Oh, it's funny you mentioned that because yeah. all of a sudden... No, genuinely, up. if you go back, I think I started asking this question around episode 20. I mean, she's amazing. She's, she's been amazing. my answer every week. Yeah. I think I, it's just because I grew up with her. Yeah, I mean, I just... I, she's great and she's good at all of it. She's good at comedy, she's good at drama, she's good at theatre, mm. she's good at television. And she just seems like, you know, a pretty good, uh, uh, a groovy chick. And I've never heard a bad story about her. No. Never had one person say, oh, she's a bit of a dick. No, yeah. But I'm fully aware she would make me look like a piece of shit on stage, and I'm at peace with that. Not true, I'm sure that's not no, true. No, she would. I, I'd... I don't think that can be true. I think great actors bring great actors out in other people. I'd be so mesmerised. Like, I, yeah, I would be in love with her. Like, yeah. And she'd be like, Ingram, it's been 30 seconds, say your line. Maybe you could do a two-hander in which you play a crazy fan of... Uh, Catherine so, Tate, yeah. Yeah, maybe we could just do a documentary. Would you like me to hold a camera? <laughs> Catherine Tate as Catherine Tate, Ingram Noble as Ingram Noble. It's true to life. Docu-series. <laughs> yeah. Who were you in, um, Catherine Tate? I was, uh, Fergus Fitzroy Ferguson. He had oh, my God, you're the yogurt boy. That's me. I would just... See, when you said that there, I didn't really take it in for a second. Yeah, yeah, that was me. But having I a cinnamon and gooseberry yogurt. On a hill. <laughs> That's yeah, the funniest thing uh, in the world. <laughs> no, that was fun, and I'm actually really glad for it. I'm sure someone will. Um, um, it will haunt me forever, but that's fine. Not well, it's, it's all good. It's no, no, it's, iconic. It's not been cancelled yet. Still, like of all of the things I've done in my life, it's still the thing that like people from where I grew up are like, oh, it's the, it's you were in Catherine Tate, right? And I'm like, yep, because you know, like you say, it, it was a it was a huge show, and everyone grew up loving it and watching it and it was so funny mm. um in terms of bad auditions 
you know, I've been quite lucky. I really haven't had that many. Like, I'm not saying oh, I haven't been bad in them, but I've never had some, I've never really had that n- many negative experience. I did audition for EastEnders once. And um, who did you audition for? Well, this is the thing. They didn't tell me that I was auditioning for a replacement of a character. So they give you like a spec script and you just go in and do it. And then like afterwards you find out that you're actually auditioning for a character that exists. And you're like, well, if I'd have known that I wouldn't have done it in the way I did it. But also the casting director did say, um, listen, I know you're from theater. So, you know, I'm just going to have to ask you before we start to just, you know, tone it back, not do too much. And I was like, have you, have you seen EastEnders? Like it's not. (laughs) It's theater. Yeah, it's in in like a and not that's not in a there's no negativity. I love EastEnders, but like oh me too. It was just it was um I, I that was one audition where I sat there and I thought, oh god, like also I just yeah that didn't I just, I just the way the audition is odd as well. Like I went in for a part and they wouldn't tell us who it was. They wouldn't tell yeah. us who I was speaking to. And yeah. no, I didn't I had a script between like two other characters that was already like aired on the show. Oh, I had person one and person two, and I was auditioning for person one. Mm-hmm. And I figured that from inference and referencing the script, figured it was something to do with Ben Mitchell. And right. then two years later, the, the scene appeared on my television, and I auditioned for the character that raped Ben Mitchell. Right. And I yep. told my mum, I was like, that's what I auditioned for. And she was <laughs> yeah. like, and you hear it and you go, wait, that sounds so familiar. Yeah. Which is also, can I just say, one of the biggest crimes that that show has ever committed, which was that once Ben Mitchell was the campus, most effervescent, fun child in the world. And then suddenly he became like a gangster. <laughs> yeah. It was like, how did that happen? Like, yeah. How did we go from short tunes like, to guns? Around to Lady Gaga in the living room. And then he went to prison for like five minutes. And now he's like one of the crazy twins. Like, come on. I um, I, I phoned my mom and I was like, oh, that's the part that I auditioned for. Like, I, I, I'm quite sad I didn't get it because it was a great storyline. Probably will win a lot of awards this year. And then when the rape scene happened, my mum phoned me and she said, I'm really happy you didn't get that role. And I I was like, me too, mum. I'm really happy that I didn't get EastEnders. (laughs) Lying, lying to yourself. I know I always think about that, though. I think about how hard it must be for loved ones to see stuff like that on screen. Like, you know, just as actors do some some gnarly stuff, Mm. your family just must sit there and go this is like I know we all know it's pretend and you know no one wants to be pretentious and go oh well I really felt it but like you still have to sit there and watch it and that must be um, confronting. Yeah and one of my friends did River City which is a Scottish soap and Mm. he said his mum was a massive fan of it but when he joined she stopped watching because it ruined the magic she was like that's that's not Jamie that's that's my son Oh, she, he ruined her her favorite soap. Yeah, and I was like, oh, so maybe maybe that's the case. Maybe a lot of how people many just... are there? How many like Scottish soaps are? Because we've one. got like, we've got three. Just we? one. Oh, there's just the one. Yeah, and we get all of the English soaps, but England doesn't get River City. Yeah, it's shy. I want to watch River City. I mean, you don't really want to. What's, but, the, um... what's the like? What's the base of River City? I don't watch it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
farm. Corey's like this tree, and he sends, which is like, and he sends his London, is yeah. So I know it's a street, and it's set in Glasgow. Okay, so it's like it's just like any domestic. Yeah, I think there should be more, um, because especially like there's so many parts of the country that aren't represented. Yeah, and we get to like the south, and there's like Holby City. Um, mm. casualty, like I want to see a Geordie soap. Oh, that'd be good with yeah. Sam Fender in it. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. that's where I'm. That's where I'm going. Hey, well, listen, you, you've got the you've start start writing something. Oh no, no, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm all good. Fan fiction, start writing. Yeah, fiction. we'd probably go down several um not suitable for television scenes. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm a dirty bitch. Um, but we're gonna play a game now, and it's one okay. of my favorite things in the world it's called stage right or stage shite and it's three stories two of them are the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth and have been submitted by listeners and one of them is a big fat lie that has been submitted made up by our producer hev i've got the answer in a sealed envelope so i can play along with you and we're looking for the the stage shite one but to anybody that's listening if you've got a story for stage right or stage shite please scroll down into the show notes below click the link to the google form and submit your story and I love these. They're my favorite thing in the world. Great. Let's do it. Number one. I'm a drama school lecturer. And one year we were having an absolute shit show and we had several students that dropped out and I had to recruit one of my friends to play a part in an end of year show. And as I was driving into the theater with him one day, the last thing I said to him was you can't shag one of my students. Three weeks later, he told me he was moving in with one of my students. I should preface this by saying that she was a mature student and they were both around the same age and no laws were broken. Okay. Bit weird. Uh, Number two. One time, a lecturer failed me on an assessment and I didn't think it was very fair. Open brackets. There were extenuating circumstances. Close brackets. So I put laxatives in the coffee jar in the staff room while no one was there. Sure, it was revenge against the many directed at the few, but it worked. No regrets. Number three, I used to sleep with the security guard at the student halls I lived in during my third year of drama school. I would set off the fire alarm in my room by running the shower and letting the steam out. Then he'd know to come up. I could have just texted him, but it seemed a lot more like a pawn to set the alarm off. Wow. I'm leaning towards number three being alive. Yeah. Steam sets off fire alarm. I don't know. I think if steam from a shower set a fire alarm... Can steam activate a fire alarm? Blowing off every day, if that was the case. They're triggered by foreign objects interacting with parts inside the detectors. This means that anything can flow into your smoke detector, like vapour, steam, smoke, and large puffs of dust, which can trigger your smoke detector. No, okay. I'm still going to go for number three. I do feel like... That would be very lucky to have it happen every time. Yeah, like, yeah, like she must have a really, or they must have a really good system. But also, like, it feels very extra to do. Yeah, go through the to to go through the drama of that every time. I think I'm going to go in a different direction than you, and we don't have to follow the same. I think I'm going to go for number one. I'm going to stick with number three. Right, I'm opening number one. Oh, were you? Were you right? I was right. Um, I never get it fucking right. You did today. Um, But I do want to talk to you um, briefly about um, what I know you from and how I became acquainted with you, which is everybody's talking about Jamie. Mm -hmm. How did that, because you were right there from the beginning in the workshops, how did that come about for you? Uh, I, it was a weird, it was, again, one of those coincidental things, like so many things are. 
um, which is just side note, one of those shit things when you ask for advice and people are always like, oh, I just, it's just somehow like weirdly happened for me. Fell into my lap. Yeah, but it really did. I'd been fired off of a cruise ship. Love that. Yeah. And so then I was back on dry land, literally, and I didn't have an agent and my friend worked at, a, at an agent. I had two f- friends from school that one of them worked in an agency and the other one worked for a casting director and they got through the brief for the character and they I, it was back in the days when I did have Facebook and they sent me a message being, well, what she sent me a message saying, we've got this thing for this character, we thought of you, would you like to go in and do it? And I'd literally just come back to the country from this cruise ship and thought, yeah, yeah, please, I've got nothing else going on. And and yeah, and I went in for my audition and I got it. And then that's how I got my agent. And it mm. was sort of like um, stone rolled from there. I know it's really wanky to like sort of admit, but see when you first went in and you were working on it, right? Did you know it was going to be like as no, big as it became? No, I, I didn't. I mean, I thought it was amazing. Yeah. But I was very grieved. Could you imagine if you turned around there and was like, I thought it was dog shit. No, no, no. I <laughs> no, The funny thing is, is that I thought it was amazing, but I was so green and I was so naive that actually looking back on like the first draft that we did in the first ever workshop, mm-hmm. it was nowhere near how great it was at the end. So like I was like, this is ready to go. This is amazing. Let's put it on stage now. And like mm-hmm. all the really, um, you know, uh, sort of, great actors that I was working with at the time were like, oh, I changed this, I changed that. And I was like, wow, they all have this knowledge mm. of like actually what works and what doesn't work. And then mm. all the changes were implemented by the creatives because they felt the same way. And and then, yeah, the, the way it morphed into something so much better. Like if I, I imagine putting that first version on stage and it would have just been a big hot mess. <laughs> were you, when you first went on to the West End, because towards sort of the end of its West End run, there was like this revolving door of guest stars. So like yeah. Bianca Del Rio came in, um, Michelle Visage, Fetosa. Did anybody like that come in when you were in the show? I didn't do it with anyone other than Michelle. I, I had a different, I and my the woman that played my mum changed, but she was already in the cast. Yeah. Uh, Becky McInnes, who who is Indira Evan Hansen, or or you know was just Indira Evan Hansen, um, she she took over as the mum. But yeah, no, the only newbie I believe that we had come in completely cold, and also who was um, someone sort of rather well known outside of British theatre was Michelle Sarge. She came in, and I then I did it with her. Did was there ever a bit of pressure because obviously she's like the judge of the most famous drag queens in the world. Were you like, this is a musical about drag queens. I have to get this right in front of her. At all, because A, I'm not a drag queen. And yeah. I and I'm, I I wouldn't even cl- ever claim myself as one because Jamie doesn't really do drag in the show, but also yeah. I, I'm so aware of the talent it actually takes to, to do that stuff. And I and I have none of the skills that most of them need. Um, but also because she played, uh, she, she's harsh in her critiques on that show but in our company of actors she blamed yeah. as a fellow actor and she's actually far more maternal than she, she than she appears on the show well, I don't know maybe she does seem quite maternal on the show but like in our cast she was just lovely and an absolute dream to work with and actually one of the sweetest women in, in the world she was so um she took care of everybody and I think she was aware of the the position she was coming in at. Yeah. 
exactly the position that she wanted to come in at, which was just part of the on part of the you know group of misfit performers that were mm. put in this show every night. You know, mm. so um, no, I, I think I could have. I think I lucked out. I think it could have been a lot worse. I think, um, but I think it's also a testament to the way that the the people cast that show constantly, which was they brought in these names that weren't yeah. they weren't necessarily people you'd think of to be in a musical. I mean, when I'm when I'm, I'm talking about you know Bianca and Michelle, yeah, did amazingly and actually one of the only I saw Faye in it, and I've got to say she was. He was so good in it. She's I've so never got good. to see the show. Very sad oh, about it. Was... I had tickets and I can't... Why couldn't I go? I did have tickets for Glasgow, but I didn't go. I can't remember why. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm very sad. I've got the script. I've got the script with your face on it. <laughs> um, did When it came time for you to leave the show, did you nick anything? Did you take anything home as a memento? Uh, I got given... I, I, took, well, I took a choker. I took a piece of jewellery. But no, they were pretty strict with me. I really wanted to take one item of clothing and they wouldn't let me have it. And actually I ended up having a little bit of a tussle with a verbal tussle with one of the costume designers because I was like, I want it and I deserve it. And they were like, you can't have it. We have to give it to the next performer. And I was like, make another one. You've got a whole <laughs> end show. Yeah. But, um, but no, I didn't. I don't think I, I'm really not sentimental in, in that way. And actually I, I get given a lot of, lovely things yeah when I was in the show and I just I just don't I'm a, I I think there's always a part of me that's somehow ready to be a bit of a nomad and just pick up and go and not that I ever have but like I just I don't have a lot of like physical worldly possessions you're ready so, for the war like you can go um, on the run yeah but I but I, I but I take my memories and and that's yeah good enough for me I think it's all it all lives in the noggin and then when it all starts to go I mean it's just sod's law but uh, other than that I don't I don't I don't look at physical objects and go oh reminds me of you know we are two completely different people really (laughs) I am such like a a materialistic not in like a vain sense of I just did Vanity Fair by Kate Hamill and mm. my character in the second half plays poker, and I had these two big bags of coins. And on the last night, I was like, "I'm having them. I'm having oh, my really? coins." Yeah. So, Amanda, if you're looking for the big bags of coins, I have them, and you can't have them back. No, um, I'm actively leaving. I'm leave like I'm leaving things behind. I'm just like I just I don't need that. I'll remember it. And yeah. I'm, also, I'm not like I don't take. I don't really, I mean, I, I tr- I've tried to recently take some Polaroid pictures. I've got a Polaroid camera, but for years and years and years, I just remember seeing people snapping on their iPhone constantly, constantly. Yeah. And I just, I really try and capture the moment. It sounds so wanky, but like there and then, and like, I'll remember things. It's like you know? that ca- uh, character from Friends. I must take a mental picture yeah. in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, but that's genuinely how I feel. And I've been to some amazing places in the world, like on you know little jaunts and holidays and I get back and I'm like I don't have any evidence of that but <laughs> yeah. I know I was there and that's good enough for me but how will Facebook know you've been on holiday well I don't have Facebook anymore so it doesn't need to yeah I suppose so when how did you get involved in the the film adaptation of 
Jimmy. I just got asked. The the director just asked me to do it. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think he... I think he knew it would have been a nice sort of sentimental nod to the work I'd put in but I also think the way that they sort of had expanded the character from the stage show um, it it was just something I I was never going to say no to as much pride I'd like to think that a film? No, no, I won't do a film. No, and also a chance to work with the people that had given me such great opportunities in the first place. Like I would never turn that turn mm. that away. And also, um, it was a nice sort of uh, full circle thing for me. It felt like mm. a. It really felt like a closure of a lot of my emotional baggage from doing the show. I think I got to sort of close that chapter. Yeah, and it felt it did feel slightly unfinished before then. So actually I'm really grateful for doing Mm. that experience and sort of handing it over to someone else, which is something I always said I wanted to do anyway, you Mm. know, because I wanted as many people to play that role as humanly possible. Do you know what I would like to see? And I think it would be really great. And for charity, I mean, you'd still get paid, but like a, a concert, with all of the Jamies, so like you, Leighton yeah. Williams, uh, Max Harwood, and I can't remember the name of the other guy. Who was the last Jamie on the West End? Noah Thomas. Yes, or I think. It, wait, no, you have to. You have to Google. Is it yeah. Noah Thompson or Noah Thomas? I, I think, think it's Noah Thomas. I think it's Thomas. Now that you've said that. I'm not even going to Google it. I'm just going to Instagram it because I know what he looks like. Noah Thomas. Yes, it's Noah Thomas. Okay, good. So I think we should do a cut. Well, I don't know why I'm saying we because I'm not involved in any way, shape, or form. Um, I- I'll produce it. Um, I-, I think we should do a concert. Yeah, and like just sing through it all, and we can have celebrity guests. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I'd be down. I anything for charity is good, and also it is a it's a it's a legacy. I hope continues. You know, I think it's going back on tour next year. So yes, just- it is. I just, I, I'm, it's, it's thrilling to be in somehow, you know, uh, somehow sort of um, connected to a legacy. Like, like I wouldn't say you're connected to it. I'd say you created it. You're the yeah, first. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I was. I can the- say it. You can't. You, you, well, you can, but some people might think you. Well, no, bit- but, you know, it shifts and it changes. And yes, I'm. You know, I'm not being. Uh, I'm not being um, overly like, oh, you know. What but I got- think you should be because I, I think when you look at it in the grand scale of things, you opened a lot of doors. Like if you look at something like Jamie, had that not happened in that time period, would we have things like Heartstopper on Netflix now? Would we have these things? And I don't necessarily think we would. Well, yeah, but uh, I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. But what I do know is if that is true, then that 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 has a lot more to do with the people that wrote it than the, than the people that were in it i mean i think you opened the doors of making it i just say i tried so hard to like be cynical about heartstopper and it just oh i cried i was like fuck this shit i mean i was literally texting my friends like what is this 10 minutes in and then like 15 minutes and i was like i'm hurt leave me alone shut up don't talk to me i'm watching the whole thing and they're all so sweet and so lovely but it's but again that was and there is a similarity between that and jamie which is it was kind of nice to see i mean actually jamie does have an element of it in its show but it was nice to see a version of 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 gay adolescence that wasn't so trauma based it was nice to see a gay teen that wasn't being groomed or molested yeah, or, or like didn't have aids or like you know, yeah. 
like it was nice to see um no i know aids doesn't exist anymore but you know there's yeah. a lot of those period yeah like that, but, it was but just it was, said somebody living a normal life and i do know because i've read the comments like, that, and that was going through their first love rather than their first sexual experience like, yeah it was very much emotionally um rooted which mm. i thought was lovely and I did read the rest of the comics. So I was like, I want to know how what happens next. And I, I know that the subjects do get a little heavier. Right. Um, so we see I've never read any of the comics, which is why one of the one of the only things I couldn't quite get my mind around was that they all just had such mental hairstyles. <laughs> Yeah, like I just was watching it like, who's going to like, first time? To <laughs> they would all be bullied. Morning. Like they it, would all be bullied yeah, for their hair. But other than that, I just thought it was absolutely um, so heartwarming. Mm. But we do, we do go into some heavier storylines. But like you said, it even the comics, there's not a lot of sex in it. I don't think there's yeah. any. I think there's a couple of references to no, not now. It's like it doesn't have to be about that all the time, mm. and it's quite refreshing. That. Yeah, we have a closing tradition on the podcast, and it's where I should again preface this by saying I did not steal it from Stephen Bartlett. I thought of this, then started listening to Diary of a CEO and realized he does it too. But I was right. like, I'm well, taking I've it. I've never heard that podcast, so it's a don't... really great podcast. I would recommend. You know, it pops up on my TikTok a lot, but I mm. just haven't actually subscribed yet. Diary of a CEO and Shagged, Married, Annoyed. Shagged, Married, Annoyed. I came across one the other day that was called, like, Sorry I Sexted My Boss or something. Yes, that's fucking hilarious. Subscribe to that today, so I'm ready to go and listen to that in a couple of minutes. Shagged, Married, Annoyed is Chris and Rosie Ramsey, and it's just fucking hilarious. Great, so many good podcasts out there. But the closing tradition is I asked the previous guest to leave a question for you, and you'll ask the next guest to leave a question uh, you'll ask the next guest a question. They don't know who they've asked. You won't know who you're asking. But the question that has been left for you is, if it's the last day on Earth, what three people are you having around for dinner and what are you cooking for them? Oh, okay. So, again, Amanda Plummer's on the list. <laughs> uh, she's on all of my lists. Uh, I'm going to say Judy Garland. Oh, I like that. And I'm going to also say Alison Roman, who is an American chef. So there, I don't have to cook. She's mm. going to cook, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna um, uh, provide the witty repartee to the table. Love that. I would. I, I, I thought about this earlier actually, and I was like, because I was like, do I go famous people? And then I was like, do you know what? Last day on Earth, the Earth's gonna blow up. I want my people. I want my two best friends and my mum. Do you know, it's so, yeah, because Jennifer Saunders did an interview where she was like, I once got invited to this really fancy dinner and they were like, who do you want on your table? And she like gave a list of all these amazing comedians that had like, you know, inspired her and they got all got invited. They all turned up and she was like, I just sat there and I was like, this is so awkward because none of them like knew why they were there. And she was like, if I ever have to do that again, I'm just, I'm just going for the, because pe- that's what you want when you're at a dinner yeah. party. Like I might have no, I we might just my imaginary imaginary dinner party. We might just sit there not talking to each other, but the food will be good. So that's yeah, that's fine. yeah. Like I, I'm going for my people, and um, when I was thinking about what what I'd cook, they all do like really good things. Like my mum makes the most amazing chicken pakora sauce. So I'm going to just text her in advance and say, bring your sauce, and I'll make the pakora. 
yeah, you can come. I'll we'll we'll arrange the question and then we'll have four and you can come. <laughs> and then like my friend is a weirdo and doesn't like gravy, so I'd force him to have a Sunday roast with gravy. Doesn't like gravy. He's a weirdo. He has a Sunday roast dry. Not dry. Like I mean, with... actually, to be fair though, maybe dry. You know, you see some people they use ketchup or like mayo. I'm like, maybe disgusting. Just... Yeah, like maybe. I'm I'm happy that he hasn't no ventured gravy? into. I mean, how can you have a roast potato or a Yorkie without any gravy? If your Sunday dinner doesn't have the equivalence of a light of an Olympic sized swimming pool's worth of gravy on it, you're doing I... it wrong. I do so much. Like I make a whole jug and my boyfriend's like, all right, well, I'll just have a little bit. And I'm like, great. Cause I'm going to have yeah. the rest. This was for me anyway. Yeah. And then for my um, dessert with my, one of my best friends, Heather, she, who produces this podcast, she, um, she makes like really good cakes and stuff. So and you've my... got three courses. You're... And what I don't you... have to do much. What are you? You're going to make the drinks. Yeah. Well, I'm going to like make the. I'm going to make the roast and I'm going to make the pakora for the starter. Oh, okay. But my favorite dessert in the world are profiteroles. Yeah. And oh, I, I want mine too. Oh, I love the them. Dessert in the world. The and I... dessert in the world. I go through phases of eating things all the time and getting sick of them and never wanting them again. So profiteroles are the only thing. I have them twice a year and that is it. I have them on my birthday and I have them at Christmas. Oh, and I don't ever have them. I should have them more often. Marks and Spencers, it's the only time I'll ever venture into Tory land of Marks and Spencers for their profiteroles. They are the best. <laughs> well, okay, it is definitely, yeah. You know, you go to their like dairy aisle and you just yeah. beautiful desserts and you're just like, <laughs> Yeah, it's the only time I venture into Toryland. But what's coming up for you next? Uh, I've just finished uh, shooting a film called Femme, which Love I don't that. know when it comes out, but it will come out at some point next year, and it's going to be amazing. It's got Nathan Stewart, Jarrett, and George Mackay, and like it's just going to be incredible. So just keep an eye out. I can't wait. And obviously, stick around, and I'll uh, keep you updated. If you keep listening to the podcast, I always love when things come out. And I'm like, by the way... Episode yeah. bloody bloody blah with John McCray. <laughs> um, he's done this. Um, where can everyone find you on social media to keep up with what you're doing and stuff? Well, nowhere. I don't have anywhere. Oh, well, I don't have. Um, I don't have. I I recently downloaded TikTok, which I'm obsessed with. I spend way too much of my yeah. time on it. Um, and I don't. I wouldn't even know what my username was to tell you. I'm really sorry. I think it's. Are you not like, on Instagram? Nope. No. Did you just like social media detox? Well, no, I just, I've never, I've been, I think I'm, uh, I've never really, uh, for years, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't had it for, for years and years and years. And I just, I just don't, I think, I don't think I do, it, it sounds really hypocritical considering I have TikTok, but I don't do well with seeing yeah. a performative version of someone's perfect lifestyle in front of me every day. I think it makes me feel pretty shit about myself. I think I'm too thin skinned, whereas TikTok is just like funny, hot Stupidness. People. Yeah, really true. So I'm, so I'm down. So yeah, nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't have social media, I'd be left alone with the voices in my head. And I don't well, know. But I also that. don't, I don't have to promote like my own product, which yeah. you know, so um, you, yours is a tool and you should. Mm. You can follow me on Instagram if anybody wants. Oh, um, on at Ingram Noble, all one word. Which is such a good name, can I just say? It's, it's my like dad's name. Character. It's my dad's name and his dad's name and his dad's name. And I That's used to me. hate it. My Love dad that. was John. His dad was John. His dad was John. Yeah. And then my sister had, we're all John McCree's. And then my sister had a kid. And she was like, well, I guess I'll call it John because you probably oh, won't 
do you pronounce your second name McCree? McCree, but everyone says McCree. And it's... Well, I'll pronounce it correctly. <laughs> it's fine. I'm used to it. Um, yeah, no, I I broke the curse of my all of them are Ingram Albert Noble, and I don't have a middle name. Oh, but that's even better. You just got two. It's just like do. And my mum was like, I can't choose between because Albert. Although my granddad is called Ingram, he gets called Albert. And my mum was like, Well, I'm what not. Is, like, because uh, is that like because my my grandparents are Irish, and so they a lot of them swap their their actual name. I think it's just because there was so many Ingrams. Really? See, for some reason in my family, there were a lot of like my my older the older generation of my family. Everyone calls them like Chris, for example, but their real name is Noel. Yeah. Well, is actually their first name but chris is the middle name yeah. it all just i don't know why i should ask him why why he gets called albert but my mum at the time that i was born she was like well i'm not gonna give him your dad's name but right. not mine yeah yeah so now he just doesn't have a middle name and i i, I used oh. to hate my name but now i love it and hate it for the same reason oh i think it's a great name once you hear it you never forget it Exactly, and that's what you And want. sometimes that's a bad thing. What's in the name? Because I'm a fanny. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's a bad thing that people always yeah. remember my name. But thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Genuinely, I've been such a fan of you, yeah, yours you for me. ages. No, all my pleasure. But I will let you get back to normal life. Thank you so much. Bye, thank Amazing. you. Amazing, thank you. And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 119 completed. Thank you so much to John for coming on the podcast, and make sure to follow me on social media because John's not on social media, so let me live vicariously through him and get all of his followers. If you're feeling extra generous, please go down into the show notes below and leave us a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps us out so much you don't even know. If you have a story for Stage Right or Stage Right, please also go down into the show notes and click the link to the Google form and submit your story. And don't don't forget that you can now become an official drama school dropout by signing up to our Patreon for exclusive benefits that nobody else will have access to. I'll be back again next Tuesday with a brand spanking new episode. Have a great week. Stay safe. I love you. Drama school dropout. No graduation day for you. Drama school dropout. Your whole course, now try something new. Trying to